This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. The history of an institution is a crucial part of its legacy and its culture. And the people who built the institution and created that history stand as its foundation. Their portraits also stand as an ongoing reminder of their contributions and of their dedication. And the maintenance of these portraits is a measure of how the institution values them. Here to tell us more about all of this is Susan Blakeney, an art conservator and restorer with Westlake Conservatives of Skinny Atlas, New York, and Kara Howe. She is the curator for historic collections at Upstate Medical University. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Good Thanks morning. For having us. So let me start with you, Kara. You just engaged in some kind of an undertaking looking at the portraits within the Upstate collection. Why do this? So what we did was actually a preservation survey. So we decided to take a look at the entire collection and try and get a read on where each piece stands in terms of its physical condition. And really it was necessary because it hadn't been done before. So there hadn't been a curator for a number of years and the portrait collection before that wasn't really the responsibility of any one person here. So when I came about two and a half years ago, I decided that I could take control and, and try and care for these pieces. And part of that was getting a read on how they're doing and, and what we need to do to take care of them better and if any of them were going to need more in-depth treatments. How many works are we talking about? How many portraits or how many works of art are we talking about? When we conducted the survey, there were 55 portraits in the collection. One of them was brand new and hadn't yet been hung on the wall, so not a lot to deal with with that one. In the meantime, another portrait has been painted and commissioned and turned over to the university. So right now the collection stands at 56. So, Susan... You were then involved or gotten involved in this survey, but there's there's some. This is a preservation survey, so I imagine it's kind of trying to taking the uh, toll or take, making a checklist of what needs to be done. Is that exactly what took place? It was sort of what it took place, but it's definitely much more than a checklist. Uh, collection management of large collection has become a science. Uh, and a profession in the last 20 to 30 years. And we've learned a lot so that people don't just say, well, let's treat this painting because I love cows and that's my favorite piece or because it's being borrowed or whatever. It's really important for everybody to develop a health report, which is like having an annual physical of going to a doctor so that what we created is a benchmark of condition that we're gonna use for the next 10 years to help maintain many paintings the wisest way possible. So you're saying within a collection, you wouldn't want to single out one to, as your favorite to take care of. You really want to treat them all equally, in a and, sense. Well, we really want to know the condition of everything before we, before we develop a plan for 10 years at a time because we have limited budgets and we need to tackle the most important pieces first. They might be the most historically important. They might be number one priority in great danger that might be a way of selectively choosing how to maintain your collection. But let me back up a little bit. Why is that the case? I guess my question is for the listeners, what happens to a painting? Well, the minute it's painted, it starts to deteriorate, literally. Dust in the room starts to fall on it. I always tell people, imagine a 30-year-old painting, and you look at it, and you go, well, it's only 30 years old. It doesn't need cleaning. But if that was the window in your house and you hadn't cleaned it in 30 years it would be bloomy and foggy, and that's the same thing that happens to paintings. How about, how about uh, a destruction or a uh, deterioration of the pigment 
the paint itself, that kind of thing, the color, those kinds there's of things, light, we, effective light on it, those kinds of there's, issues. There's a, a whole uh, group of items that can damage a painting. And it's the environment, it's the heat, the humidity, the light, the tension, if it's a stretched canvas, uh, vandalism. So basically, There's a lot of things that happen. So basically, in a way, a painting, you're almost making an analogy between a living organism and a painting. The minute the painting is born, it starts to age. It does. And it just like a person needs some health interventions at various times, a painting does as well. And, and sometimes a painting ages because the technique that the artist used is a little faulty. And so we often run into that as well. Technique or also materials? Both. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think uh, my training as curator is, is really in the preservation aspect of things, preventative, trying to ensure that the climate we hang these paintings in is as consistent as possible. There's not big fluctuations in temperature, temperature and humidity. light. Mm -hmm. Trying to avoid obvious uh, damage to the painting from blows, drops, what have you. Ensuring that you know, a coffee reception isn't held right in front of one of the paintings and an urn of coffee isn't spilled onto the surface. So those types of things, making sure that it's hung properly on the wall, framed correctly, uh, surface cleaned regularly, those are the things I'm trained to do. And those are intended to avoid needing Susan's services overly often. But eventually, every painting will need that type of treatment. So help us understand, though, the difference between, we're talking preservation. Kara mentioned that her job is more of a preservationist. What's the distinction between a preservationist or preserving a painting and restoring a painting? Well, the main difference is preservation is passive and it's something that doesn't require a treatment. Conservation to the painting yeah, itself. Yeah, to the painting itself. So, in other words, you're you're dealing with the environment more and how it's being cared for. One of the things we did during the survey was we unframed and reframed everything with what we call preservation techniques. We now know how to preserve a painting best. We put something called a backing board on the back of every stretcher, every canvas, that minimizes the short-term environmental fluctuations. We know that the environment going up and down causes the cracks in paintings. So the more we can minimize or have what we call a flatline environment, the less cracks that will be developed. 17th century paintings are a road map of fine, fine cracking. And you think of, well, why would we do this now? Well, paintings can, can last for many, many years. I mean, we work on 13th century, 14th century paintings, 17th century paintings. This is a young, young collection. And with the new knowledge we have, you can begin to maintain it correctly so you might not even need my services down the road. So I, let me just ask you, first of all, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with art restorer and conservator Susan Blakeney and art curator um, Kara Howe. We're talking about restoration of Upstate's current portrait collection, but um, or if not restoration, basically pre preservation. But when, when we talk about restoration, what exactly do you do? I mean, just give us a well, very quick thumbnail imagine, of what you might do if a painting you've owned damaged. a painting for the last 50 years. You've decided that it looks kind of bloomy or it's foggy looking. You looked at the surface and you see that there's a piece of paint lifting. And, it, and maybe you'll see an actual loss, a little tiny hole. Possibly one day when the sun comes in and hits it, you'll notice that the texture is very 
odd as irregular. well. Irregular. Mm -hmm. Irregular. So what a conservator does is we examine something, we have to document and test it to find out what is it made of, what is it sensitive to, what materials could we use to treat it to design a treatment plan. And we have to document with, uh, with writing and photography. Photography is extremely important now in conservation. It creates a benchmark and it allows us to see things that normally we would not see. So when we are treating a painting, there are standard formats. We take a photograph front and back before we ever even try to unframe it. Then we unframe it and take another photograph to show the tacking margins, which is the fold, which probably are the first things to deteriorate. We take a raking light photo, which is shining a light at an angle across the surface. By doing that, we will see paint losses that we just didn't see in normal light. We will see what we call deformations, and a deformation might be a big dent where somebody hit it accidentally. It could be a draw, which is a big ripple from the corner that shouldn't be there because the canvas is supposed to be taut, kind of like a drum, to keep it tension because paint, oil paint and acrylic paint, really needs to be kept flat. The more it flexes, the more cracks develop. And that's, so the stretcher or the strainer is like the foundation of a house, one of the most important things to, for the life of the painting. So once you've done all this, I guess the question is, and I, and I don't want to run out of time, so I just want you mm -hmm. to over, kind of give us an overview. Do you actually go in there with paint? What Do you we, actually go in there with? No, what, we have to use reversible materials one of the first and primary rules. Anything that I do in a treatment has to be able to be undone without hurting the original. So if it's an oil painting, I'm not going to in-paint in oils. Oils become more and more difficult to remove. I'm going to be using a synthetic resin and powdered pigment, something that I know I can remove in a very mild non-polar solvent. Now the reason why is that you might make well, a mistake, you might Well, I alter. could make a mistake. It's respecting I could, the integrity of the original work and the artist. Uh, you know, you don't have want another to, damage. Right. An accident mm -hmm. that would have to be undone to be retreated. So just so because I've touched it, it doesn't mean it's the end. I can't stop. So an art restorer or an art conservator, a restorer actually, mm -hmm. who goes in and tries to fix some of the things you've described may require taking a paint, I mean, literally a brush mm -hmm. to the canvas, but you do so in a way that whatever you do can be undone. And it's supposed to be kept right to the damage. Uh, gross overpaint is when I can't match colors and I end up painting in a new background. <laughs> Has that, that happened? Absolutely, because there's no licensing in our field. You can call yourself a conservator or a restorer. Usually the difference is a conservator is takes continual education to keep abreast of new developments, participates in national organizations, whereas a restorer might be more from the artist background and actually literally be self-taught and read some chapters and think, I can do this. And most artists can do and hide some damage, but they don't know the ethics. It's not documented. There's no photography. And it's not necessarily reversible. So basically, again, again, how does one become a restorer, a conservator? Well, to these days, you really ideally should start in undergraduate school and be interested in art and interested in history. But you need not be a painter yourself. No, not at all. It's just like you can be a scuba diver and not even swim. <laughs> so 
sometimes, I mean, you need to have science, history, and art, those three things. And you might be really good in one, but not the other. So we work as a team often. We have conservation scientists that we rely on. And we have other people that are masters at in-painting. And in-painting is putting the icing back on the cake because something happened to it. Uh, and Susan's team at Westlake was really crucial for dealing with our collection because they have paper conservators. They have frame conservators who can deal with the actual frames themselves, which tend to be contemporary to the painting in our case. Mm -hmm. So they have painting want... conservators. They have a textile conservator. One of, our, one of our pieces is actually a Turkish carpet. It's a portrait woven out of fibers. Wow. And we needed a textile conservator to take a look at that. So very briefly, just give us the overview. Your goal was to preserve the upstate collection. I wanted to get a handle on, on the condition of the whole collection for a number of reasons. The first and foremost was so that I could prioritize which, which works needed attention first. And, and if I go after a preservation grant or a conservation grant or I ask for institutional funds to care for the collection, I want to know which of these 55 works I should deal with first. I also wanted to see if there are any any patterns happening in the, the different areas that we have the portraits displayed so that I could try and decide perhaps this location isn't great or we need to make some climate control changes here, things like that, because we're seeing across the board the similar damage. So you've mentioned a painting can last for We know that we have paintings from you know the Renaissance and before, mm -hmm. you know, and frescoes from before that. Um, basically, your job now uh, Kara is to make sure that this collection lives on exactly. and stands as a testimony to all the people who contributed to this institution. Exactly. What's the next plan in the very little bit of time we have left? What, sure. What's happening a to A number it? of things. So we have actually an online guide to the collection right now. You can go on the Historical Collections website and click through and see pictures of all the portraits. We'll have a link to that. Great. And then we also have hung the portraits back in new locations in an attempt to give some context to the individuals that are there, link them to the parts of the university that they maybe had the greatest impact. And we'll be providing some exhibit cards for each portrait where you can find out a biography of that individual, learn more about the artist, and basically experience that portrait a bit more. Wonderful. Thank you both for coming in. This is so interesting and unique for, for us to understand, and we ask, obviously that's a treasure trove in that 55 or 56 collection of portraits. Thanks, both of you, for coming in. My guests have been Susan Blakeney. She's an art conservator and restorer with Westlake Conservatives of Skinny Atlas, and Kara Howe, who's the curator of the uh, collections, historic collections at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.